like I've really focused recently on, and I didn't realize I was doing it, but I've, I've most recently enjoyed my relationships with people that have a lot of room to be wrong. Like, mm. I feel like we're, we're in a, you know, there's, there's a lot of right now, especially, Hey, this is my capital T truth. And, you know, like, because I believe it, it, it you know, it's, it's it the is. capital T truth. Yeah. And, um, and that's not any kind of political commentary, social commentary, but I really find myself enjoying spending time with and talking with people that have room to be wrong. And like, they still have beliefs and, and, and things that they back, but they're like, you know what? I could be wrong about this. And then that, mm. that for me has been like a launching pad for really meaningful and helpful conversation. Yeah. Besides that, I'll, we'll just, we'll just start. Trey Killian, welcome to Millennial Manhood. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. It's been, I think we've had this conversation for like three years. So it's interesting because, so for folks who don't know, I'll I'll let you do your intro in a second, but obviously I interview like the regular cohort of people who reach out to me or their marketing team reaches out or they're selling a book or whatever. And then sometimes I just like interviewing my friends who I think are interesting and you fall into that category. Um, So I think we'll have fun. Little, uh, yeah. little end of your podcast. So Trey Killian, who are you? What's, what's your story? What's a 10,000 foot view? That's a great question. Um, who am I? I think I can answer that a couple of different ways, but um, yeah, I'm here in Nashville with you, obviously. Uh, you know, we know each other from having worked at the same firm for a long time. And um, you know, there's the, who am I from a, a human standpoint? And, you know, who am I in business? And those, those kind of cross paths occasionally. But um, I've worked in finance for a long time, you know, graduated college in uh, 2017 and I've been trying to find my way since then. So just trying to find your way. Have you found it yet? Because I'm looking. I haven't found it yet. I think that's that's the purpose of life. Um, trying to find find meaning through friends and relationships and vocation and uh, the occasional suffering. So mm, the occasional suffering. So I think one of the things that I really like about you in our conversations that we have is as a, um, I don't know what the term is, but type a personality myself, I guess sure. is, is yeah. as close as we're going to get to it, especially in your twenties. There's a lot of, and I've talked about this before, a lot of self-righteous douchebaggery in that world. Mm. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as someone who can be a self-righteous douchebag, self-admittedly. Okay. But I would also say that I constantly am looking for a way to, like you said, improve myself as a human being and have conversations and things like that. So I think you, you fall into that. I don't think, I know, I know you fall into that same exact category. How do you think you got to that point of this like constant state of self-reflection, especially at your age? Cause you're quite a bit younger than I am. Um, Mm. how you, like, what do you think nudged you in that, in that direction? That's a great question. I, I think uh, um, for me that that has always come naturally. Uh, I don't really enjoy small talk. Uh, I don't like surface level conversations. I, I really enjoy going straight to the meat as fast as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I'm really comfortable at. And I think for me, um, I've had a lot of wise mentors and, and folks in my life over the past decade. And I've realized that to be a really good leader and whatever you're doing, um, you know, to be able to lead other people, you've got to be able to lead yourself very well. And so um, I, in various roles in my life, I, I spend time leading other people. 
And I find it very appropriate to constantly reflect on and, and think about how am I leading myself? And so that, mm-hmm. that leads me to, I think, some of the conversations you and I have had over the years. It's interesting. I've never heard somebody describe it as leading yourself. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. When you start thinking about, you know, day to day, like, what are you doing to lead yourself? Um, a lot of people uh, you know, have a hard time answering that. So what are, did you like Did somebody tell you that or did you just come up with the, the you're articulating something that I think I've known for a long time, but I've never had the mm. words to I've never had the vocabulary for it. Yeah, it's, it's something um, I would agree with that for a long time. I didn't have the vocab for it and I've had a few people put different words to it. Um, and I've, I've started to realize it, it ultimately comes down to leading yourself. And that, that takes different forms, but I've, I have had a handful of people that I spent a lot of time with, you know, weekly, monthly time with that um, have helped me formulate that, that language. Well, and it's interesting too, like in the world that you and I live in from a professional standpoint, yeah, it's, you can go down two routes because you're constantly in a state of rejection. You're constantly dealing with other people's emotions. You're dealing mm. with your own emotions. You're dealing, yeah. you're dealing with actual math and things like that. You can go down two routes. You can either become incredibly self-aware or you yeah. can turn your brain off completely. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's really no middle ground. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the incredibly self-aware part, I heard a quote earlier today, you know, with, with my baby on the way, um, you know, yeah. she's due in five weeks. Um, Nice. I heard a quote today that said, your kids are going to become who you are. So be who you want your kids to become. Mm. I was like, damn. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. Who am I? Well, it makes you ask the question, who am I? Yeah. Like what parts of me that I'm maybe not so proud of. Yeah. Do I need to change? If if your kids could could monitor your behavior today and, and see what you're doing every minute, every hour, um, you know, that, that question I think can bring up some feelings, you know, it, um, really makes you question, Hey, am I, am I being purposeful with, with the time that I've got each day? Are you? No, absolutely not. I fail constantly, <laughs> but, but every day an- it's just, but that's another trap. Yeah. That's another trap. You yeah. want to know what trap I got into the other day? Tell me about it. Oh man. This is the most unreasonable trap ever. When you think about it. <laughs> Um, I've, I've made no, uh, qualms about like, look, from a financial standpoint, I consider myself very blessed. I've got a good job. Yeah. Uh, I've made good money. Uh, I've been surrounded by people who've helped me <laughs> just think about money differently. I, I mean, I know you're in the same boat. Okay. So mm-hmm. I get that. I'm, I'm under no impression that I am not very lucky. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of that just has to do with like lucky breaks in life. Sure. That's it. Just like, one person who told you one thing or one opportunity or that just like builds the confidence to help you like act in a certain way. Yeah. But anyway, so I'm meeting with a guy who's in the same business as I am. And it's not very hard to figure out how much somebody makes mm. after like a couple questions. Mm-hmm. And you know, this guy's in his late thirties making about 1.6, 1.7. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here like, damn, I'm so far behind. Mm. think about how stupid like i actually had to stop myself afterwards and be like that is the dumbest thing i could have ever said it's insanity man yeah it's insanity it, we, we can quickly get away from being grateful just because there's there are people there's always going to be somebody out there that's doing something crazy you know 
Well, and like, and uh, you know, being again, it's in my business, so I know how to get to that stage, and, and yeah. it's not impossible. What, whatever, like, because it's you can visualize it, you can see yeah. how to get to that point. But I'm sitting here like. I'm feeling behind because I'm not making seven figures because I'm in my early thirties and this dude in his late thirties is like, are you kidding me? You know, I I think there's some nuance to that though. Like I I think there's truth in what you're saying and, and yeah, we should practice being grateful for where we're at and what we have, you know, especially you and I in particular with the positions that we have and and the the privilege that we have certainly. Correct. Um, and in the, in the other hand, I think we can also hold, like, there is some truth in, in that, that urge that you've got, you know, there's, there's wisdom there around, Hey, like I can be doing better. I can still be doing better. I can be grateful and, you know, glad with where I'm at and I can still do better every day. Um, and, and still have things that I'm chasing. So. Yeah, it's, it's, well, the other thing that's hard is when you start surrounding yourself and, and this is actually something I would challenge everybody listening to is like constantly work to surround yourself by people who are better and better and better, like constantly surround yourself with people who are better than you and whatever it may be, whether it's money, mm. whether it's your professional, whether it's health, whatever. And you know, the, the more you start surrounding yourself by people who are more successful, quite frankly, they can do crap. That's just more fun. And you want to be able to do that crap too. Yeah. Yeah. You want to keep up. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it it is that keeping up with the Joneses thing, but at the same time, it's also like, I mean, dude, we went to the beach, we went to uh, Florida a couple months ago with with a couple mm-hmm. other couples, and it was on the beach, three million dollar house, which you know that that doesn't make it that spectacular a house, but like, you know, and and we we paid for it, it was great, but yeah. I can never be crammed into a condo with six other people ever again. I'm just, I'm just not doing it. it. No, like it's just not happening. Yeah. Um, so it's cool because these experiences are awesome, but at the same time, I'm like, damn, I, I like that lifestyle creep is real. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's, I think that's a, not a side effect. That's not the word I'm looking for, but that, that happens when you surround yourself with, with people that are where you want to be at, you know, um, that are just a few steps ahead. I've enjoyed, like I've really focused recently on, and I didn't realize I was doing it, but I've, I've most recently enjoyed my relationships with people that have a lot of room to be wrong. Like, mm. I feel like we're, we're in a, you know, there's, there's a lot of right now, especially, Hey, this is my capital T truth. And, you know, like, because I believe it, it, it you know, it's, it's it the capital T truth. And, um, and that's not any kind of political commentary or social commentary, but I really find myself enjoying spending time with and talking with people that have room to be wrong. And like, they still have beliefs and, and, and things that they back, but they're like, you know what? I could be wrong about this. And then that, mm. that for me has been like a launching pad for really meaningful and helpful conversation. Man, that's so powerful. Elaborate. I want you to elaborate more on that. Cause I, I, I kind of want to mm. spend a little time on that. Cause I think we as a society could really benefit from just thinking about the fact that like, maybe just maybe I'm wrong. For, for me, it just starts with like, Anytime I feel myself creep into a space of like, you know, like I'm right, the other person's wrong, and I, I've, I feel obligated to convince them, I, I've caught myself in that space more and more often. And I pause and I go, you know what, like I could be totally wrong about this. What if they're right about this? Mm. And, and it, it's, le- it's led me to engage differently in, in, in conversations that I'm having. And it's attracted people to me that think the same way. On, on all different kinds of topics, on all ends of different spectrums. Um, 
and that's a space I love being is having those really meaningful conversations with folks and, um, you know, growing through that. So I don't know if that's helpful or not, but. No, I think it is because I think another thing that happens, the more you surround yourself by six with successful people, again, depending on whatever your definition of success is, um, you know, us being finance minded, a lot of it has to do with mm. money, which is a trap for sure. For sure. I mean, even dude, imagine making seven figures. You it, considering today's cost of living, you can't spend that money. It's impossible. No. It's literally no. impossible. Th- these people have to put their money somewhere else to do stuff for them because they can't spend it. Yeah. Um. So success. So the monetary aspect is more of like a scorecard. Mm-hmm. Um. But again, it could be health. It could be whatever. But I think yep. the more you surround yourself by people who are successful, who think differently and challenge the way you think, the more you don't have a choice than to understand like, crap, I could be wrong about this. Yeah. yeah. There's no other, yeah. There's no other outcome. That's it. Yeah. It, 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 it almost wears down your ego. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's interesting what you said about the, the small talk. Cause my best friend James and I have this conversation all the time. We both hate small talk. It's like, look, yep. man. But also, I'm a, I'm way more likely to be a jerk than James is. Like, I'll just cut off a conversation and be like, I'm bored and leave. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, to, much to my wife's chagrin. She hates when I do that. Um, yeah. Well, when did you think? It took me a long time to realize I hated small talk and I just wasn't willing to do it. But like, when do you think you got to that point? <sighs> That's a good question. When did I get to that point? I, I don't know that it. I, I realized that I hated small talk as much as I realized, or or as quickly as I realized that I I really enjoyed deep, meaningful conversation. Yeah. And so, um, you know, once I realized that I I enjoy that, and for some reason people think I'm good at it, and and you know people kind of naturally like uh, bring bring me deep issues that they're dealing with, and and um, I, That's I, enjoy how I ended it. up with this podcast. <laughs> hundred percent. That's literally the genesis of millennial manhood. Yeah. Well, so, so that, that for me is, is I've just, I I love deep, meaningful conversation so much that anytime I can skip the small talk, which, which actually being able to small talk um, effectively and quickly, you know, transition from that into meaningful conversation with a brand new person that I've never met before. I do enjoy doing that. I, I, I enjoy the, the, the art of that, of, of yeah. navigating conversation with someone new that, um, especially if they're not used to being asked really hard questions and, and having deep conversations, I enjoy kind of pulling that out of them and, and helping them learn more about themselves through that. Um, uh, and, and I enjoy it when they do it to me too. So mm, just disrupting their entire paradigm. Yeah. And, and it's so ironic. It's so ironic because, um, you wouldn't think that this, this being disruptive would be constructive. Yeah. And it is. It, it really is. It's like, it could be politics. It could be religion. It can be whatever. But, you know, the reason people get so just vehemently pissed off about those topics is because they mm. essentially live in an echo chamber. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the, really the only way for you to get pissed off. Yeah. Because it's a marketplace of ideas and you're pissed off that your idea is losing for whatever reason. Right. Yep. So instead of, instead of approaching that idea from a standpoint of like, okay, how can I 
adjust or evolve the message to overcome the obstacles that are in the way of that idea winning, you just double down and get more pissed off. Yeah. Or, you know, my, I, th- I think I've learned over time that, um, to just stop trying to solve those issues. Like yeah. the, a lot of these issues, we, we just can't, like you can't solve these issues. So yeah. I think the, 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 the more constructive thing to do is just ask a bunch of questions. And when you ask enough questions and stop trying to solve those problems, like that's, what's bringing people together. You start to realize like, Oh, okay. Like this is a human issue, you know, like, it, there's, it's just people on each side of that. And, um, there's a lot of nuance and both sides are right and both sides are wrong. And, um, you know, we don't, we don't have to solve everything. So dude, I am not kidding. This happened two days ago. Um, on two separate podcasts, I heard mm. almost the identical thing just flipped. So it had to do with mm. vaccine surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but neither one of these podcasts had anything to do with COVID or vaccines. This was just a random offhanded yeah. comment. I don't think either one of them spent more than 20 seconds on this comment. Yeah. But it was so telling. So one of them said, uh, this was a female, uh, liberal Los Angeles, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know the background. And she said, you know, it's something along the lines of, and I'm quoting here. She was like, you know, it's something along the lines of like how people who are, who are anti-vaxxers, you know, they, they celebrate when somebody who's vaccinated dies. Like, oh, it's their fault. Okay. That mm-hmm. was the quote. Mm-hmm. Not kidding. Completely other podcast. It was a guy, not sure where he's from, more of a probably center right leaning. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like, I mean, yeah, it's like when, when vaccinated people celebrate people who <laughs> die, who aren't vaccinated, yeah. like, oh yeah, it's your fault. You idiot. And, and I literally, yeah. I, dude, I almost fell out of my chair when I heard the second quote, cause it was maybe yeah. an hour and a half later. And I'm sitting here like, these people actually believe this crap yeah. that they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and like the lack of self-awareness, I, I don't know how to fix that for humanity. Yeah. And I, um, and the solution is, is not to not have beliefs, like have your beliefs and, and stand firm in them. But, um, you know, for me, the, the answer has just been uh, realizing that hey, I, I do believe certain things about about those topics that you just mentioned, um, yeah. but I could also be wrong. And so and, and because I, I always hold that in the back of my mind, it, it leads to different conversations and not the not just the clash constantly, you know. Yeah, it's it's super fascinating but to, you know, just dive into. Here's something I'm curious to get your opinion on, mm-hmm. just being in the industry that you're in and dealing with the things that you do deal with. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but after a decade of asking people the most intimate financial questions you can imagine, yeah, like I am so numb to asking faux pas questions. Yeah. <laughs> like I, yeah. I, I don't realize it, but I do after the fact, but like if we're having friends with like, if we're having conversations with friends and they're like asking me questions about, Cause I'm the finance guy. So they ask me questions mm-hmm. like at dinner. I'll be like, well, how much do you make without even thinking about it? And I expect yeah. an answer. Cause like, I can't yeah. answer this question without you telling me that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Do you, no, feel I, that? do you feel that way? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. There, there's questions that, that you and I have asked in, in a room that, you know, in a, a, it's odd to say intimate, but a lot of the conversations that you have with people um, around their money end up being like, pretty very, very personal, um, conversations that they've never had before and, and mm. may not have with anyone else ever. Yeah. And so there is almost like we become desensitized to 
um, some of what happens in those conversations. And then you go out into the real world and, um, you know, people are, are, they have feelings when you ask those questions and they're not sure what to do with their feelings. Yeah. Um, and then they throw it back on you and it's, and you know, it, um, and you realize, gosh, like that person just has a lot of feelings about that topic and I can't do anything about that. I, I it's not my job to manage their feelings. Um, I didn't have to ask the question, yeah, but I did. And I want to know the answer. You know? Well, but also so. at the same time, it, my life got a lot easier when I accepted the fact that I'm not responsible for other people's feelings. Mm. Like your feelings are not my responsibility. My feelings right. are my responsibility. Yeah. And you're allowed to have them. Correct. And, I, and I can have mine. Yeah. Correct. And you might not be able to control your feelings, but you damn sure can control how you react to your feelings. Sure. And, and I think within our age group, you know, that 25 to 40, man, how many problems could be solved if we could just learn how to respond to our feelings? I think it's, you know, I, that, so this is a topic I spend a lot of time on. Um, I think it starts with people oftentimes choose to not feel their feelings and then their feelings end up controlling them. Mm. So I try to spend, what do you mean by that? What do you mean? I could be wrong about this. Well, um, not being able to put words to what they're feeling or trying to push something down and that people do this for years, decades, people go their whole lives and never feel their feelings and then they die. Right. Um, so it's not something that you have to do. I've just found for me that when I feel my feelings and I'm, I'm feeling angry when I'm angry, like I, I need to identify that I'm feeling angry and feel it. And then it, it doesn't turn into rage and I don't take it out on somebody else because I can Mm. identify this is what's happening inside me. And now I can set it aside and deal with the problem that's in front of me. You know, um, that's been really powerful. You're almost thanking your lizard brain for making you feel this feeling. And letting your lizard lizard brain know, like, hey, you're not in danger. It's you're, you're telling me something. Yep. I hear you, mm-hmm. and now I'm going to set you aside, <laughs> and then I'm going to deal with what's really in front of me right now. You know, man, that's so powerful. I have a friend. She uh, she uh, has been doing therapy, and she was talking about how mm-hmm. useful it's been. And she said during one of like the first five sessions or whatever it was. If you're listening, mm-hmm. you know who you are. Sorry if I'm butchering the story. <laughs> um, she was like her therapist had to literally like whip out a chart with like feelings and be like, what are you feeling? And she was like, I feel anxious. Yeah. And she's like, that's not a feeling. That is an end result of a feeling. What are you mm. feeling? like to actually identify the feelings? And, and I never yeah. even thought about like having to identify the feelings. That yeah. Way. Yeah. Once you start to do that, whatever that means for you, um, I think that can mean different things for different people feeling your feelings. But like, once you start doing that, you start to, you know, like you, uh, gain some, some control over your life Mm. and, uh, you, you have the power to then set those things aside, um, and, and not let them dictate your actions. Yeah. You you are like, like a lot of people I think go from, they'll feel something and, and, and then, and then it generates a thought and the thought generates action and they just go through their whole life, like feel, react, feel, react. And people don't take the time to, to pause after the feeling and go, okay, like what's going on here? Why am I feeling this way? Um, you know, like what is my body trying to tell me right now? Like what's my brain trying to tell me and, and pause before they go take an action, you know? Um, and that's where there's people that, that might react in a way that if they would just pause for a second after they have the feeling and reflect on it, they might not take the same action. Um, uh, that they would otherwise. So what's an example in your life that maybe has happened recently where you had to identify a feeling? 
today, yesterday, at, at all, all day long, all the time. Like, uh, for example, last night I was uh, uh, very angry. <laughs> I was, I, and I, I got to the point of just um, lashing out at a couple of people. And then I, I, I did it and immediately realized like, dang it, I did it again. Like, I'm not immune to this, you know, like yeah. you can't, you spend your whole life trying to master this and you never really get there. Um, but I, I was, uh, had a few people that didn't do what they say they were going to do. And that makes me angry. I feel angry when that happens. And, um, cause you feel lied you know, to probably. Yep. And I just have to pause and go, okay, like it's reasonable that I'm angry, but instead of lashing out at these people or raging at them, I, I can actually set that aside and I can respond a different way, you know? Um, and sometimes I, I'm great at that. And other times I totally botch it and I still, I still lash out at people. <laughs> oh man. That is probably something I have. That is probably what I'm most proud of in my life mm. personally is mm. controlling my initial instinct to lash yep. out. Yep. I've gotten exceptional at that because, yeah. because I was so bad at it when I was younger. Ooh, yeah. I was a hothead. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't be mad for long. It was, it was quick. Mm. Um, apparently I get that from my grandfather, um, who ironically I'm named after. Passed down to you. Yeah. 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 One of, one of those little, uh, casual, uh, generational curses. Um, it's deeply rooted in your story. Yeah. Probably. I mean, probably, I mean, I'm sure there's something genetic. I'm sure there's something about, I don't know, like, dude, people just sometimes piss me off. Yeah. Like, and, yep. and, you know, also on the other side of that coin, especially as a man, um, I'm curious, to get your thoughts on this. Hmm. Like, for example, you, I mean, people might not be able to see you. Maybe they, they're watching the video, but like, yeah, I can tell you as somebody who knows, like nobody would look at you and not be like, that's a manly man. Like you're a manly dude. I would assume. <laughs> Thanks I, for saying that. I do I'm have assuming. Long hair. Yeah. You do have the long hair, but you're like, you, you know what I mean? Like people look yeah. at me, people tell me all the time they're intimidated by me, which is mm. like insane to me. And, and my wife is like this guy. Um, but literally like, <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Without fail. They're like, Oh, so intimidated the first time I met you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I do have that energy about myself as well. Yeah. But like to me, part of being a man is like, dude, I just don't take very many people seriously. Like mm. you have to earn me taking you seriously. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, and I talk about this, like with the concept of social media, like, um, if somebody was just like saying something like an unbelievably hateful and ridiculous, like mm. death to all serves or some crazy shit like that mm. in the middle of yeah. the street, I would look at them and be like, you're a crazy person. Have a nice day. But the <laughs> moment you put a at in front of a username on Twitter, now you got to have a battle with them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So like the way I look at it is like, I, don't, I just don't take people that seriously. You earn mm. me taking you seriously. And when you don't take people very seriously, you also don't like get yourself wound up and all the BS. Yeah. That's an interesting way to approach that. I had never thought about that as, well, especially, as an approach. Especially as a man, because we can be either destructive or constructive. <laughs> That's basically mm. our two op operating systems. Mm. And when we're, when we're destructive, we're really destructive. Like That's all the toxic masculinity like uh, 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 stereotypes you can think of. Sure. Okay? Yeah. But like, the constructive part is beautiful. Yeah. And, and the trap you fall into is when you feel like you have to make yourself present yourself as a man or this other bullshit. And I'm sitting here like, I don't have to present myself to you as anything. You need to present <laughs> to me why your opinion matters first before I present myself as anything. Sure. Yeah. 
you know, it's funny. I, I probably, um, the way you're describing yourself is spot on, by the way. So you're very self-aware like that. That is exactly how you operate. Um, I think I tend what, to what operate. Um, your, your, your approach to people. I, I think, um, you, you do very much. So, uh, it, it, I, I can't say it any other way than the way you just described it. I don't want to repeat back to you what you All said, right, cool, cool, but, cool. but you, you are, um, like, Hey, I'm me. And, uh, um, un until, uh, you know, you reveal to me that you're authentic and vulnerable, then, uh, you know, it, you do refrain from showing all your cards before you, you kind of engage with a deep conversation with somebody. I've, I've observed that about you and I think that's wise. Um, I, I tend to, I give people the benefit of the doubt and it, I pay for that a lot of times. <laughs> I pay for that in, in conversations and in relationships, but um, and I've, I've tried to, um, I have a lot of work to do there, I think, but what, well, but hold on, giving people the benefit of doubt is not inherently a bad trait. No, I, no, I, I think, um, your comment around taking people seriously, I tend to take people seriously until they prove to me that I can't. Mm. So you end up I start a lot of the time. I, yeah, I start from the other end of the spectrum and I let them let me down. Mm. Um, and I've paid for that in a lot of relationships in my life. Instead of being pleasantly surprised. Yeah. yeah. You, you're <laughs> starting from the, like the, the, um, uh, your, your expectations might be lower than mine. I have a lot, I have high expectations for people and they end up, they end up failing my expectation. A lot of times if I would lower the bar, People would surprise me and I might have a different outlook, you know, um, that's interesting. I mean, I mean, that's interesting, but like in, in what ways do people, um, fail you? Well, I've got unrealistic expectations for a lot of people in my life hmm. of things. That, they'll do. Or that, that's, a, that's about me though. That's not yeah. about them. This is, it's more about me. So it's, it's not them failing me. It's, it's me setting them up for failure Ooh. in my Ooh. mind. That's important. That's important. Let's, let's really unpack that. Yeah. They did not agree to your expectations. No, it's all me. Yeah. And all conflict is a result of unmet expectations. And typically expectations aren't met because they aren't communicated properly. Mm. Or at all. Yeah. Which is where my problem's at. <laughs> not asking for what I need or saying this is my boundary. And then mm. when somebody breaks it and I'm upset, they're like, what? They, they don't know any different. That's not their fault, you know? Mm. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Mm. Mm. There's so many different, I feel like we're having a mutual therapy session here. Um, there's so <laughs> many different avenues to go down that. But that's like even so true, like even in, in um, like relationships. Yeah. Um, and And especially, you know, I mean, look, when you're married, you're stuck with that person, you know, it's <laughs> until like, you're not. Yeah. Until you're not, but like, until you, you choose know. to not be. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. you know, like for most people who, who really take it seriously to the degree yeah. that it's taken. Yeah. You know, that's why I'm not a fan of people getting married quickly after meeting each other. I mean, mm. I know it works out for folks, but I don't like that mm. personally. Um, I just don't like the mask hasn't come off yet. Hmm. And I don't want that mask to come off after you're married. Right. Um, 
like push each other's boundaries a little bit and see if you stick around. Yeah. At, at least that's the advice that I try to give. Well, cause uh, that's, what's and, realistic. Like there's yeah. a, there's a snippet that's, that's unrealistic cause you're both performing and you can only perform for so long without either stopping performing or becoming addicted to something in my mind. Um, and then you stop performing and it's like, Oh, like this is who we really are. Like, how's this, how's this working? And you're, then you're really test driving it. Um, uh, and it's, it's not going to be as good as what it was the first six months, the first year or two years, or however long you were able to sustain the performance of, of XYZ relationship. Um, and then you kind of have to grieve that, that initial stage. And then you Ooh. can decide, all right, uh, am I, am I going to move forward or, or, you know, or do I want to go back and, and try to find this other thing that really doesn't exist at all anywhere with anyone for any amount of sustained time? Correct. Um, well, and my sister brought up an interesting point about my wife and I. I mean, I make no qualms about it. My wife and I have a wonderful marriage. Like we are each other's best friends. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. get, we've had one fight our entire mar- marriage. Now we've had plenty of fights before our marriage, but during our marriage, we've had one fight yeah. and we don't even remember what it was about. Um, yeah. Now we've had disagreements. We piss each other off, but a true fight yeah. won. Um, mm. We both came into our marriage knowing and being comfortable with who we are. Mm. And we were aware of who the other person is. Yeah. And I think that comes with age mm-hmm. and experience. And it's really hard to be comfortable with who you are yeah. when you're 22. Yeah. And I think, too, I think that's wise. I think that the, the thing that a lot of people deal with on top of that is it, you may know who you are today, but who are you going to be in 10 years? Like you can mm. be a totally different human being and, and, and people kind of grow at different rates too. It's like, you might grow this fast and your wife grows this fast and you're yeah. disconnected for a little bit and then she grows faster than you and she's up here and you're, so it's, um, I don't think that ever goes away. I think it's a constant, like you're, you're constantly, um, not fighting, but you know, uh, striving to, um, kind of get back to that, that space where you're, you're on equal footing and you really know each other, you know? Well, and then like, sometimes I just don't understand certain things like again, wife pregnant eight and a half, I don't know, almost nine Mm -hmm. months. Um, I need to make her life easier. Like I see Mm -hmm. some, I've seen some dudes who are like bitching about the dumbest crap. I'm like, dude, she, what did you do today? She made organs. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Seriously? Like, yeah. what do you, what, what, what could you possibly complain about? She yeah. has a, she has an alien pushing down on her bladder and it makes her go pee every 15 minutes. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like, um, can you, can you not just put your ego aside for nine months and make her mm-hmm. life easier as she's mm-hmm. incubating your child? Mm. I, th- I think that, so I, I agree with you, but I also think there's an element of that, of like, that, that might be a person that, um, I feel like you can have needs in that, in that zone too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, so it's like, gosh, like I feel a lot of shame around having needs right now because, mm-hmm. because yeah. I'm with this person that's doing something so much greater than what I'm doing during the day, but dang, I still have needs too. Right. Yeah. So, um, that's another one of those ones that I kind of get caught up in. I'm like, totally agree, but I'm also like, don't know how long you can, you can sustain pushing, like pushing your own needs down for the other, like, you know, like where, where might that translate in other places in your life? You know, I, that's, that's kind of where I, I get, get to with, um, you know, something like that. But, 
Well, the other the other side of that coin is let's so we just crapped on guys. Let's crap on women. Like, yeah, women, stop trying to get your man to think like a woman. He's never going to think like a woman. It's not going to happen. OK, he is not a woman. It's, 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 it's just yeah. like and that's where nagging comes into play. Like, yeah. like my wife knows that if she asks me to do a task, that task will be done. If yep. she waits on me to see the minute crap that drives her insane that I don't even notice, she'll be pissed off for weeks. <laughs> What's you're, easier? You're not I mean, you're not going to think proactively enough for 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 what she needs. Is that what you're saying? Correct. But you know what? I will think proactively enough. How the hell to pay uh. for this house? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, sure. We, we, we have different things that are important to us. Yeah. Like the way our brains notice it. So what's easier being pissed off nonstop for weeks and nagging. And then me being pissed off at you, mm-hmm. but just being like, Hey, off, do you mind taking out the trash? Sure. It'll be taken out today. Yeah. But she doesn't want to have to ask you that. She wants you to just go do it. Just, just know that she wants it done. Well, Tamara and I talk about that a lot. She has just yeah. accepted the fact that she's like, he is not going to think this way. Is it easier for me to be angry or for me to just concede the fact that he will never notice this. So I just mm-hmm. have to ask. Life is give and take, guys. That's hard. It is. I, I, I deal with the same thing. And I, I try to also fight against my own urge. Like, like, like what if what if she all she moved a little bit and then you moved a little bit and you're like, okay, like, hey, today I noticed that that, that the trash can's full. Like, I'm gonna go take it out. You know, like I feel like there's there's some movement that can happen there. Like that's what good relationship is, right? Correct. Um but it's but it's you're gonna still fail at it. You're going to still fail at it, but it's the yeah. self-awareness part that makes it yeah. tolerable Yeah. to where, you know, like, like, um, like for a lot, for like, for like the longest time, Tamara would ask questions about like rental properties when I would like run the math or something mm. that just like were self-evident to me. And mm. I'll be like, how, I don't know how to explain this any simpler. Like, how do you not get this? You know mm. what I mean? Now, granted at this point, she gets this ish. Mm-hmm. Red rich, that poor dad to her before bed every night nice. for like a month. <laughs> nice quote 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 of the reading she was like mm, i love me a good liability um, <laughs> That's um funny. yeah but it, it, it's just like you know but once i accept that okay i need to slow down the things that are self-evident to me mr finance and and understanding mm-hmm. those things and these things being second nature to me, to me is not second nature to somebody else yeah well, now she gets it and she's like cool. Like what, what do the numbers look like? They look like this. She's like, cool. Sounds good. Mm. You know, like there's, I mean, that's just a personal example of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think the reason Tamara and I get along is because we are both self-aware enough that we suck at certain things and are trying to get better at certain things. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the best starting place, you know, like that's a great place to be. Oh, and our relationship's not tit for tat. Hmm. That shit is a no go. Yeah, it's not tit for tat. You screw up, I screw up. We we the etch a sketch gets sh- gets shaken, yeah. and and we start over. Yeah, don't bring up something from six months ago. That's not that's not okay. <laughs> We've moved on. Yeah, well, well, I mean the same thing for me. Like I yeah. I used to be guilty of that. I bring up some shit from like a year ago. I should yeah. be like, you can't bring that into this argument. That's not fair, and it's not yeah. fair. Right. Yeah, you're kind of just. Just throwing everything into the, the you know, dirty kitchen sink, and then pointing the finger, and then the other person's throwing more in there, and it just becomes—it's just like, what are we doing here? You know, like nobody's going to win this. Exactly. So, 
Also, I feel like I'm talking way too much in this podcast. This is about be, this is about to be this is about to be about you, Trey. <laughs> so, somehow, this is what happens. This is what happens when 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 people. Yeah, I uh, I I like. Yeah, I don't enjoy being the person that that talks the most. <laughs> well, especially on the podcast, I try so hard to talk little. Yeah. When I'm interviewing folks, because like folks are trying to get a story out, folks are trying to yeah. like, advertise something. I get it, and I'm all for it. That's what this platform is for. Um, but sometimes you just get on a roll and you get really excited and it's like, hey, ooh, ooh, ooh. that's awesome. I think it's good to hear from you sometimes too. I uh, appreciate that. We yes, haven't, sir. we haven't gone to Nashville in a while or, or we had another, it. another, break. we should go to red bicycle, get some crepes. That Oof. Yeah. Oof. If you're ever in Nashville, red some bicycle, lemon sugar, mm, delicious crepes. They've got two locations, one in Germantown, one, one off Nolansville in South Nashville. Go check them out. Free, mm. uh, free plug, red bicycle. Nice. Um, they also, they also allow dogs. So my, my doge goes in and he's the best boy. Um, let me ask you this, how did you overcome, uh, negative concepts around money? Negative concepts around money. Can you tell me what, what that would be? Like, like, what do you mean by that? For example, uh, rich people are demonized. Uh, why do you want to make a lot of money? Um, you know, money is the root of all evil. Um, you know, especially yeah. here in the South, especially being surrounded by primarily evangelicals. There's a lot of concepts around that. Mm. Um, you, you know, that it's, it shouldn't, and I agree, it shouldn't be the focus of your life, but being a financial advisor, you know, money's kind of important. Yeah. So you can't have a so, negative. Yeah. So, of it. so those, those negative overrides, uh, about money and people that have it, uh, for me, that dominated my thinking around money when I was a kid. Because I, I grew up, I moved to Williamson County from central Illinois. Uh, my family, historically, predominantly farmers. Um, and I moved to Brentwood, where all mm. of my friends' dads were dentists, doctors, financial advisors, lawyers. Um, you know, they wore suits to work, and my dad's in construction. So, um, yeah, that, that, that was part of, a, you know, the, the messaging that I got from my family, because um, that's the messaging that they got from their family and their parents and their mm -hmm. grandparents. Right. Like if you have money, uh, you're not a good person. And, um, you know, we, we talked a lot about that, about about the evil nature of money. So. So for me, how did I overcome that? Um, it, it's been talking to a lot of people that have a lot of money and realizing that these are just human beings and they have problems just like we had problems growing up. Yeah. Um, and, and some of the problems are different, but a lot of them are the same. Mm. And uh, I think they deserve empathy too, you know? Mm. Um, and I've, I've over the past, you know, past five, six, seven years in my career doing planning, I've made some money and um, I've got problems and I, I, yeah. um, you know, I, so I've, and I've also spent a lot of time, you know, thinking about these things, working on these things. I'm in a group locally in Nashville called the Leadership Lab, and it's a bunch of other people that that are like minded, uh, that enjoy kind of going deep on these things. And a lot of them have started have started and sold successful businesses. And so I've, I've seen people reach elite wealth status and um, it hasn't solved their problems. And they're, no. they're great people. Um, and they, they love people and they love leading people. 
Um, and so for me, it's just being, it's, it's been being in relationship with people that have been successful and realizing that a lot of what I, I learned from observation and from my family of origin is just not accurate, not helpful. It's not a helpful um, override for your life to, to uh, think that way. Well, and to put it into context, when you say Williamson County for folks who aren't from Middle Tennessee, mm. Williamson County has the most luxury car dealerships per capita of any county in the country, mm. to put it into perspective. Yeah, Coolest. like I remember, like within walking distance of my house, there's a Lamborghini dealership, yeah. um, or it's 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 not a dealership for that car specifically, but I remember growing up, you know, some months, like, you know, I, I'm third, fourth grade, need Wi-Fi to do my, my homework and my, you know, Hey, like we, we can't pay the internet bill this month. So mm. like you need to, you know, can I, can I, can I tap into the neighbor's Wi-Fi? Like, can I sit at the edge of the table and get there? Or like, am I riding my bicycle to a local library? So like for me, I remember I, I'm in this environment where lots of wealth and people around me, and I couldn't do some of the basic things that I needed to get through being a kid. And so for me, that, that meant like quickly entering into adulthood, which is I think part of the reason why I am the way I am today. Um, but it didn't lead me to think think well of folks that had money around me. Like I, I harbored um, feelings towards those people, and I've had to spend a lot of time digging into that and and um, understanding why I think that way to be able to kind of crawl out of it. So, so why why did your family end up in Williamson County, and what was that like for hmm. a however old you were kid, seeing like oh I'm not in Kansas anymore? Yeah. So um, my mom uh, was in the music business. And so like central Illinois, like there's, there's no music being made there. There's nothing creative happening. <laughs> like it, like we're just growing corn and beans and then, you know, selling it to massive corporations, trying to, trying to eke out a, a small bit of profit. You know, You're telling me normal table. Illinois doesn't have just a thriving uh, music scene or wherever the hell you lived? Uh, no, pretty, pretty depressed. Um, great place. I, I like going back there occasionally, but um not the most creative place on earth. So, yeah. Yeah. So we, we moved to Nashville so that my mom could pursue that. Um, okay. you know, when I was, I guess, second or third grade. Okay. So you start hanging around the kids who, you know, their dads are doctors, their dads are executives at large companies, et cetera. Mm. What do you start noticing and what starts messing with you? I notice what things feel very normal for them were taboo for my family. Mm. Like what? Uh, um, you know, uh, having a parent that can come pick you up when school's over Ooh. Yeah. and I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm in, I'm in the after school program and that, you know, that program ends at six and my parents can come get me like six fifteen, six thirty. So you're and waiting so, out there. I'm waiting and I'm, and I'm, it's a lot of time to sit and think about that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, kids that, that could be in, in sports leagues that cost money mm. like that. That's, that was weird for my family. Um, yeah. just basic things like that, that, and I, l- listen, I, I, and at, on the other end, in the other hand, like I have to hold that extreme privilege to grow up in the environment that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't feel like it in the moment though, because of how far apart I was from the people around me wealth wise. Yeah. Um, interesting dynamic. Well, you also obviously had very good parents. Yep. yep. Which, you know, as a kid, sometimes you don't realize how lucky you are in that sense because mm. let me let me ask you this have you had this experience yet have you seen you know i dealt with this a little bit with my wife being a teacher elementary school teacher and then just like issues that you come across 
of like kids being disrupted in their normal lives, whether it's divorce, whether it's, you know, some sort of abuse or whatever it is. And, and I remember growing up kids having those issues, but it never registered in my brain until I was an adult looking at kids going through that same thing of how absolutely devastating and disruptive that is. Mm, Yes. And, and how lucky I was to not have to deal with those things. Correct. I had an unbelievable childhood. Yeah. 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 I I almost, it's hard to empathize with because you didn't experience it. So like as an adult looking back, you know, we, we, we think, gosh, that that's gotta be hard to deal with. But, um, yeah, it, it, it is mine. It's mind boggling to think about, you know, like I had multiple classmates as a kid that lost a parent, um, Mm. you know, dealt with, dealt with divorce, you know, just like lots of different, really big, like traumatic events. Um, and I, I never had to really sort through anything like that as a kid. Um, then you got to ask yourself, like, what, what impact has that had on you? You know? Yeah. It's funny. It's interesting. I had to sort through all kinds of other stuff, but not mm-hmm. family life. Like parents mm. absolutely freaking love each other. Um, yeah. Dad poured an ungodly amount of time into me working multiple jobs. Yeah. You know, we had the whole like refugee thing happening and like being poor and living in the ghetto and all that. Yeah, your own happened. trauma. Yeah. 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 But like, really, let's be honest. I did not have trauma. I had an unbelievable childhood. My parents, different story. Me, got nothing to complain about. Mm. Um, oh, we'll, we'll talk about that offline. <laughs> I want to I dig into that, but I'm not going to ask you a bunch of questions for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we, yeah, we can dig into that offline. Yeah. But like, yeah, but I had an unbelievable childhood. My, yeah. my parents never made me feel like... Yeah. anything. Now, yeah. what's interesting though is my parents, we, they wouldn't call themselves poor, but like, I'm pretty sure my parents made, I think I looked at the math. It was like $28,000 mm. combined our first year in America with two kids. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So do the math. Um, yeah. so like a lot of the stuff, once we moved out of the area where we were originally placed as refugees and now it was like in a predominantly white school, you know, it was, mm there was a lot more suburban kids. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't live in a $300,000 home at the time, but like other people mm-hmm. did the crap they could do, yada, yada, yada. Um, I was very aware that we didn't have the same amount of money as them. Not just that, mm-hmm. but my parents were very clear, like, yo, bro, we did not bring you guys to America for us to either be poor. So we're working our asses off or for you guys to be losers. So don't screw this mm-hmm. up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Like this. So I was like, cool, let's make this cake. Let's yep. make some money. Um, that was a mission from like day one mm. because my, my dad was 40 when he came here. Like he didn't have, and, and then he had to figure out life. Like he didn't have time to build up a 401k. I got a, it's, I am his 401k. I need to help take care of them. Yeah. That is my responsibility as a human to another human who sacrificed for me. Mm-hmm. How, cool. how, er, how, how early did you feel that? 10 or 11. Okay. There's a like most 10 or 11 year olds don't have to deal with that, you know, like especially I, in the area that we're at. Yeah. I, I became an adult at a very young age. Yeah. I was, I was translating. I mean, people who know, listen to the podcast notice I was yeah. translating like mortgage documents at 11. Yeah. I was, I if, if direct TV wasn't working, I was calling. Yeah. Okay. So, so <laughs> that, like that when me. I hear, when I hear you say like, Oh, I didn't have to deal with trauma. Like my parents had to deal with trauma. Like you had to deal with trauma. Like there, there are things that, 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 force you to enter into adulthood early and that's, that, but it, it, it's serving you, you well you right sound, now. You, know? you sound like my wife. You, it, sound, hey, you sound like camera. I know. I, and I it's agree. It's serving you well right now, man. 
Yeah. I agree. I agree. I don't want my kids to have to become, I don't want to have, I don't want my kids to have to mature as quickly as I had to mature. Mm. However, I still, I put that in like one B type trauma, not one A. Like, sure. oh no, I had to, I had to learn how to talk to adults and like negotiate crap. Woo. Yeah. You know, like. No, like there's always going to be somebody that's dealing with something that's heavier than what you dealt with. Yeah. My that, dad wasn't eating my mom. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and me witnessing that, like that, that so, is, that is a different level. You know what I'm really interested in, in though, the, the, when we, when I get into this conversation with people, they pivot almost always to talking about their kids or their future kids. Mm. And some of the, of the things that you had to deal with, even though you're categorizing it right now as like one B trauma, those are the things that I think are, are give you great leadership qualities. Those are the things that, that make you effective with people. And so for me personally, I reflect on that and I go, well, I, I'll probably have the resources to provide something for future kids that I have. If I have them, that's a whole different mm-hmm. conversation yeah. um, that would dampen all of that. And they wouldn't have to experience the trauma that I've had. And I go, I want to I want to do that. Like my first gut reaction is like, I'd love to remove all of those things for my kids. And then they can like really have a childhood. Right. And on the yeah. other hand, I'm like, well, if I if I actively remove all the all the potential trauma that they might experience, um, I what's the outcome of that? Yeah, like may that like will that will that affect their leadership ability? And is it even a good thing to have to have you know the the leadership skill sets that that you and I might have? Right, like maybe it's totally fine to to go to, like to be a kid and to mm-hmm. never have to be forced into adulthood or like we, as a society we've put a lot of value on people that can, you know, do big things and, and, you know, become leaders of massive organizations, but um, maybe it's okay to uh, not have to be a hundred percent driven by achievement. Um, I don't know. Mm. It's interesting. My wife was doing a, uh, a parent teacher conference mm. with one of her students who was, I believe Mexican and mm. the family came in and the older sister was there. And the mm. older sister was translating for the parents mm-hmm. and then translating back to Tamara. And when they left, Tamara was a little shook. She said, that was Yav. Mm. Like that was, she came home and she was like, that was you. Mm. I was yep. like, well, I mean, I don't like, I, I like with this kid on the way, this has really been screwing with me, dude. It's been really, I've been chewing mm-hmm. on this so much. But for the first time in my life, I am coming to terms with the fact that my daughter and any subsequent children that I have, mm. um, this child of mine, due to nothing else besides who her parents are, mm. will have options in life that other kids and opportunities in life that other kids will never have. Mm-hmm. And Dude, I like that has kept me up at night, like just contemplating on that over mm. and over and over. The mm. fact that we've got the money for my wife to stay at home comfortably, to 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 be there, to be a stay-at-home mom, to 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 be involved in her life, the opportunity, the fact that you know, Man, I mean, I think I told like? you, like my first, what'd you say? What's that feel like? That's pretty unique. But yeah, it's just, it's just, it's it's just all that kind of thought. Mm. Um, the fact that one of my first objectives when she's born is I plan on buying her a rental property. Mm. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. she ain't gonna have access to it. It's gonna, there's gonna be some strings attached to it, but she's gonna learn how to be a <laughs> landlord by the time she's 16. 
Mm. You know what I mean? Like mm. to help her think about leadership, money and business and, and things like mm. that. And, and, and to get, and to give her uh, an asset in life that she can utilize the, the fact that her parents love her, love each other, that she's not coming from a single parent home. Yeah. The fact that, you know, all these different things. And then I think about like, there's some, there's kids who are going to be born at the same exact time somewhere on, on planet earth on the same exact day as my daughter and who will have none of that. Mm. And dude, you want to talk about just a mental drain. It's, it's just going down that rabbit hole. Yeah. A lot of guilt in there. Yeah. Guilt, confusion, um, mm. question of also pride. I mean, let's mm. not, let's not forget that guilt. Yeah. But pride also. Mm. Um, and, and how do you balance those two? Um, yeah. and just like the, it, it's given me more, what's the term that I'm looking for? It has given me more compassion for my fellow human. Mm. And she's not even here yet. Look, my kids already teach me crap. She's not, yeah. she's, she's still in the belly. She might have a bigger effect on you than you have on her. Who knows? Right. <laughs> Man, sorry, that was a that was a dive. No, that's good. That's good, man. Um, I don't even remember where we were at. We've been bouncing around all over the place. This is great. I love. We it. have been. Hopefully, hopefully, people are still listening, and they're like, this is just like a <laughs> just a Tasmanian devil of a conversation over here. Yeah. Um, when you think about the fact that you know you've been in all these different leadership roles. Mm-hmm. football finance you know whatever business mm-hmm. are you glad you've been in leadership roles or do you sometimes wish like damn man i wish why do i have to be the captain hmm. both i think both there's there's moments where i love it and i'm like this is my zone this is where i belong um and then i also get really tired and i'm like gosh i think it'd be really fun to you know uh go to the bell court and be the guy that like puts the popcorn in the popcorn bag and just like mm. everybody's excited in the movie theater, you know, like they're, they're, they're pumped to be there. And I could just, I could just kind of be in the background and not have to have any, any responsibility, right? Like I have responsibility fatigue. Um, mm. Responsibility fatigue, fatigue. That's an interesting way of phrasing it. Yeah. I've never thought of it that way, but it just came out pretty smooth. So I'll trademark that one. Responsibility fatigue. How do you deal with that fatigue? <sighs> Sometimes I don't, and then it turns into an issue, <laughs> and then I have to deal with it after it boils over, um, like recently. And then is this other where, times, is this where you go off on people, yeah, yeah, or there, I, yeah, there's all kinds of terrible shit that I've I've done. You may want to bleep, bleep that part out. Who knows? But oh uh, no, yeah, we encourage all kinds of, in the podcast. Great. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I've been holding back on you. Yeah, yeah. no, I, um, I, I've, I've. Uh, not led myself well and not taking care of myself and, and, you know, at, at different times in my leadership journey and the people that I'm leading have, have paid the price for that. But when I'm at my best, it's me taking, you know, breaks, you know, every, every quarter, every, every six, seven, eight, nine weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I get a lot back when I'm in good relationship with great people and so for, yeah, for, for me, like when I'm feeling fatigue around, around leadership, like I've got great people around me that I can tap in. Um, but I also love to just go sit with people, um, that I really care about and just be in relationship with them. And that, that kind of fuels back up my, my battery to go back and, you know, keep, keep fighting, keep leading. 
Yeah. I bet you also get your battery filled up by like people bringing ideas to you that you've never mm-hmm. heard of before. Yeah. Absolutely. And thinking differently, like just disrupting the way you thought something could be done. Yep. I do love to problem solve. Mm. I'd love that too. I get, it, that's it, what I get paid to do <laughs> at the end of the day. Do you feel like you were born a leader or you became a leader? Um, oof. I don't know. I wish I knew the answer to that. You you want to you want to know why I asked that question? Why? So, you remember when that tornado came through? I've been thinking about this ever since. You remember when that tornado came through Nashville, the big one? Yeah, yeah, twenty March. So we went and did a, a whole bunch of people did cleanup efforts, right? Mm-hmm. So Tamara and I and a couple of our friends, we go to North Nashville and we, mm-hmm. we start cleaning up. And you know, like if you've ever done one of those cleanup efforts, like it's kind of a shit show. Mm-hmm. Um. And you like end up separated from people and all this stuff. And I actually didn't notice that notice this until Tamara brought it up. But like, you know, we're in, we end up in this yard and there was this dude who like just kept trying to be the leader the whole time. Mm. And everybody was kind of rolling their eyes. And at some point during that period, it's like 20, maybe 30 people. They all turn to me and are like, what do we do next? Mm. And I was like, well, I guess we could do this, this, and, and I de facto ended up being the leader the rest of the day. Yeah. And Tamara brought that up to me later. She was like, you know, it's really interesting how people gravitate towards you on that. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, well, you just like, they, she was like, I'm, I'm pretty observant of your douchey behavior. There was no douchey behavior. You were not (laughs) looking for that. Right. She calls me out a lot. She was like, you were not looking for, you were just there and they all gravitated towards you. Yeah. I was like, huh. I didn't even really think about it. Like, I just thought people were asking my opinion. I was giving mm. them my, my opinion on what to do mm. and like how to move forward. Yeah. Um, so that got me really thinking like, is there something innate or did I just develop a certain skill? Cause I don't consider, I don't consider myself a leader in every aspect of my life, nor do I want to be, but people do gravitate mm. towards me. I've been more aware of that since then for guidance, mm. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, yeah. I don't, I, I don't know what the answer to that is, if you're born with it or if it's something you develop. I feel like every, every leader that I know that I'm in relationship with, the, the theme has been they entered into adulthood early. So mm. um, that would lead me to believe that there's something, you know, there's, some, there's a nurture aspect to it and it's not just nature, right? But yeah. I could be wrong. I don't know. Um, you, you do have a certain gravitas, though, like, like of magneticism. Um, and I don't know if that's if that's because uh, you're a leader or for some other reason. I've not figured that out yet. Um, we'll see. More that's to come crazy. On that. if, you, if you told 14 year old Yavitsa that sentence, he would be like, have you lost your mind? <laughs> but like the, you know, the teenage angst you feel. But even back yeah. then, when I look back, I was like, you know, you're an awkward 14 year old, no matter who you are. But I was like, that yeah. was actually a pretty like decently charming 14 year old. Like I always knew how to yeah. talk to people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I used to be so worried to not be like others. And now, man, if you told me I was exactly like somebody else, I'd be like, oh shit, I'm doing something so wrong. Yeah. Like em- embrace the different dude. Embrace 100%. the different. Yeah. I feel the same way. And and I think when you can embrace that different, oh dude, th- th- was there a moment where that clicked for you? Oh gosh. Um, trying to reflect on that. I've had so many concussions between 
college football <laughs> and high school. So trying to trying to recall those moments is hard for me. But um, I always hated being different. Like mm. for, for as long as like I've, I've always hated it. But I don't feel that way now, and I don't know when it happened. I don't know when I I said screw it. I'm just going to be me, be authentic, be vulnerable with people. Um, and I'm glad I flipped the switch somewhere along the line, and it's working. So I'm just going to keep doing that instead of trying to fit in. But I think I was maybe 18, 19 ish. Mm-hmm. I think I don't know. I I don't know what clicked either. But I I all of a sudden was like, oh, this is like way better than. Like even like the small talk about the topic you just don't care about, like I'm just not going to entertain it. Not because yeah. like, not because I, I think less of you, or I just I don't want to fake my way through a conversation. It, it's it's draining. Like it to op- when you're operating outside of like who you are for too long, it's just like it's exhausting, and I just don't want to do it. Like if I didn't see the game, I didn't see the damn game. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend like I did. Like, but which sounds so silly, but like, think about all the times you've like made up some shit to like have a conversation that just to go along with it. Yeah. Oh, dude, dude. Like, and I think that's part of like what makes like what attracts me to certain people. Like, I find people attractive. Not, not, we're not talking about necessarily in a sexual way, just like attractive. Yeah. Um, when I'm like, that person is very comfortable in who they are. Mm, Yep. They know who they like. I will go and hang out with the nerdiest of nerds and the jockiest of jocks if they are comfortable in being a nerd and comfortable in being a jock. Yep. Like it is, it is so refreshing to be around a genuine human. Yes. And it's rare. <laughs> yes, it's. But again, I think it's it's counterintuitive because why do you pretend to be someone you're not to be liked? Mm. And doing the opposite of that is actually what makes you attractive to people. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of risk in just being yourself, you know, or, or, is, or I should is say there per- though? perceived, perceived risk. risk. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. What's I the perceived have... risk? What do you think the perceived risk is? Um, what if, uh, gosh, I'm thinking about like what, what little Trey was telling himself when he was trying to fit in, it, it, you know, like what if these people don't like me? Hmm. You know, like, like, where's my value if these people don't like me? Mm. Um, that's what it was for me. And then I just realized, like, they don't, people don't like me uh, because I'm not being me. And mm. when I am me, when I dip my toe in that, I realize people do, people like me, you know, some people, not everybody, but um, yeah, I, don't uh, know. I would say I took it a step further. I, I just accepted the fact that if someone doesn't like me, that's not my problem. Mm. that's their problem. That's not my problem. Mm. Like, what, what, what does it matter if someone doesn't like me? I mean, obviously you can go into like extreme circumstances where somebody can try to kill you, but like, we're not talking about extremes here. We're talking about just general life. Yeah. Like, what does it matter? I don't know, but I still have feelings about it when somebody doesn't like me. <laughs> go see him in the street, still- son. Like, <laughs> like yeah. handle it like men, dog. <laughs> yeah. I say, I say all this and talk a big talk. And then I'm like, dang, that person doesn't like me. Like, what did I do wrong? I still want to win people over. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I guess I still want to win people over, but I don't know. Like I, 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 I'm trying to remember what that, that switch was, you know, a lot of it was for me in high school, my friends were talking about what I was talking about, like how my, uh, my secret superpower was like pure pressure didn't work. Yeah. And, uh, 
the reason peer pressure didn't work is because I borrowed my dad's confidence. That's all it was. Mm. Like when you tried to get me to drink and we're 15 or 16, my mm. brain went to, I'm Milan's son. I'm going to need you to explain to me why I should even listen to you, much less mm. actually drink. Yep. So I, when you're going through that teenage angst, I borrowed a grown man's confidence. Mm-hmm. With his permission, he told me to do it. Yeah. That's a genius. That's useful. That's very useful. useful. Yeah. Super useful. Yeah. Um. So another question. I'm really yeah. curious. You played football. I didn't play football because we came to America. My dad was like, what is this gladiator shit? What the crap? <laughs> he was like, it's weird, man. It is. It's weird. He was like, you can play any other sport but football. But anyway, I'm 6'3", 220. Like, bro, my genetics, I'm in the box somewhere. I'm a middle linebacker or something. I'm I'm yeah. not a I'm not a scrawny wide receiver out there catching yeah. the ball and like falling out of bounds. Like I'm having a car wreck over and over again every play. All right. Um, so you know, to my future son, I hate to break it to you, but you're probably not gonna be 160 pounds. That ain't gonna yeah. happen. Like maybe in sixth grade. Um, so like, so no way in hell is my kid playing football just right. with, with what we know about hey. CTE and all that. It's just not happening. Yeah. What are your thoughts about that? I, I I'm so torn on it. I'm so torn on it. I, I don't know that I've made a, a fast and hard decision on it. Um, I think I'm in the same camp as you right now, but again, it's kind of like the parenting thing. Like I also reflect yeah. on, I'm like, okay, what, what gifts did I get? Because I, I put myself through that. Yeah. You know, and I like, are there pieces of me that I really love that came out of doing that? Um, some of the, some of the trauma that, that came out of that, like physical and emotional. Um, like I got, I got some gifts that I'm able mm-hmm. to kind of relay to other people because I did that, but it's also a terrible idea <laughs> to play football. Well, okay. So, so, so here's my thought living in the South, telling a little boy, you can't play football, kind of a social risk, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, but the way here, here's, here's my thought about it. And here's the argument I made to Tamara. Cause I had to convince her of this. Cause she was like, hell not first. Um, I was like, look, I'm not telling him he can't play football or any other sport. It's only a social risk if you aren't good at any other sport. Right. He could golf. He could golf. Know? He could hoop. He can play tennis. You're <laughs> yeah. Serbian, man. Get in that water polo or play some tennis. You'll be the number one player in the world. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. So it's like, it's like, uh, uh, so it, it, it's about offsetting or like, or, I don't know, our kid could be a super nerd and he doesn't want to play sports. Okay, sure. fine. You cannot want to play sports, but damn it, you're going to know how to throw a football. You're going to know how to throw a baseball. You know how to shoot a basketball. You got to know those things. You don't mm. have to like them or be good at them. You have to know how to do them because if you don't, that's how you become a social outcast. Don't do that. Yeah. I mean, having, having played football, I wish I would have been like played golf, like, because it'd be so useful right now. And I hate playing golf and I, I'm not skilled at it. So I'm like, what? And that's my logical, like I'm super, I like to be efficient. So it's like teach your kids to be golfers. Cause it'll be valuable in 35 years, you know? Um, Dude, and nobody's nobody's getting hurt out there. I picked up golf this year. Played eighteen th- this morning. Come on, nice. come on out, dude. Come on, I'm go. so bad, dude. It doesn't matter. I promise you. I've graduated from a terrible golfer to a bad golfer. All, come right, golf. all right, I'll come. I'll come. Um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's just the that's the give and take that you have to figure out. Hmm. With again, for me, it's just like, um, I'm decently athletic. My wife's decently athletic. Like, I know how to do sports. Mm. Um, my kids are probably going to be decently athletic. Um, yeah. however, they're probably never going to make it to the league. So <laughs> the cost benefit yeah. is like, okay, brain damage for a sport 
where somebody else is going to make money off of you. If you right. make it to like the highest level that you'll probably genetically be able to make it, which is college. Right. Um, right. No. But then again, I don't know. My kid might be cute as shit and be like, daddy, I want to play football. I'm like, oh, yeah. And so, yeah. yeah it's like, so I'm, I'm talking. They're going to listen to this podcast in yeah. like 15 years and be like, dad, you asshole. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, man. That's funny. Um, anything else that's like top of mind for you that, that we haven't? No, man. I feel like we, we, we covered a lot of ground. We bounced around a lot. We, we talked we about did. nothing business related, which was my goal. So. Boom. Perfect. Um, I don't know. Let, let the people know. How can they get a hold of you? I mean, if you want to plug your business, go for it as well. Uh, I mean, you don't have to. Don't don't make me don't make me bully you on it. But social media, LinkedIn, et cetera. Like, how can people get a hold of you? All that good stuff. All of those platforms. Um, I'm on Instagram. I follow Yavitsa. So if you go to his page, like I'm, I'm in there somewhere at Trey Kill five three. I'll, I'll yeah, tag I, you I on the gram. I don't I don't need to plug the business. I'm I'm. I'm busy. Um, but if you want to go grab coffee and talk about something meaningful, like I'm totally down for that. So I'll put all your social media and, um, and LinkedIn and all that good stuff, like in the show description, but outside of that, better or worse than what you expected for your first ever podcast. Awesome. Just a lot of fun, man. Cool. I enjoyed it as well. And and we're an hour and 13 minutes in and I feel like we could go for another hour, but I could, we could keep going. Yeah. My camera's about to die, and uh, I feel like we. My wife's in the other room. She, she's like watching some show. So I'm like, ah, I can't ignore her forever. She's um, like, wrap it up, let, yeah. <laughs> wrap it up, bro. Um, yeah. Manhoodpod.com. Info at manhoodpod.com. If you want to get a hold of me, uh, if you got constructive criticism, keyword constructive. Don't just bitch about it. Offer a solution. Otherwise, you're just complaining. And outside of that, Trey, for thanks for coming on. This was awesome. I appreciate. Thanks, Javitsa.